You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always call into the show at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or you can always email the show and put something in our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. The weather is raining. At least it was raining. So that's brought down the temperature by, I don't know, 15, 18 degrees. It's not any more in the 90s like last week. Now we're in the 70s. But it's not sunny. But my grass is getting water. I don't know what it is. I must have a bad grass on my front lawn because once I get a week of 85, 90 degree weather, it's all dead. Then it rains. Then it comes back. I, I know I could water it. I, I, I. I can't see myself spending money watering my lawn every night just to have green um, grass. I don't know. I-, I can't do it. But So, it's raining. It's good for the grass. All good. So many things happening. We're in the three-week period. We're getting closer to Tisha B'Av. There's so many lessons to learn. Um, it's a very long double portion this week. And I have, like, piles of stuff. But I decided this week we're going to talk about love, care, concern, the journey, all kinds of things. And I, I want to start chat with a question, and, and I want us to, to think about it. It is true that the 9th of Av, which is coming up in about two weeks, right? Last week we were here. It was a fast day. It was the first day of the three weeks. We're one week in. we got two weeks left to go. So I was talking to my son this morning in the car, and he says to me, like, what's this whole three-week period? Like, why, why is it set up that we're, like, a little bit sad for, two, uh, for you know, a week and a half, and then nine days we're, like, more sad, and then Tisha above? Like, what, what's the process? So I told him the process is that if it was just one day in the middle of a random month, so we said, okay, today's the ninth of Av, let's be sad that the temple was destroyed. It, it, would, it would have zero meaning. Like, okay, day comes, day goes, just, it's like almost another day in the calendar. I said, it's interesting if you think about it. There are two days on the Jewish calendar that actually have a lot of preparation leading up to them. One is this sad day, the ninth of Av, and one day is Yom Kippur. Right, Yom Kippur, that's uh, the Day of Atonement. And there's really a month leading up to it. You have the whole month of Elul, and you're blowing shofar every day, and then you have Rosh Hashanah, and then you have the in-between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Because, again, there are certain days on the calendar you can't just jump in and say, here I am. It doesn't work. And what's interesting is there's really a benefit, an amazing benefit to both of these special days. And both of them serve the same purpose. It's just a different way to get there. And they're just both set up to become close to God. 
Yom Kippur, I'm repenting, and God's forgiving me, and he's allowing me to talk to him the whole day, and there's extra prayers, and it's an emotional day. But at the end, at the end of the day, right? at the end of the day, the purpose is to become connected to God. And I think that sometimes we forget that Tisha of Yer, it's a sad day, it's a fasting day, we sit on the floor in the morning, we're reading this poetry all morning long. But isn't it really the same thing, right? At the, at the end of the day, isn't that what I'm trying to, to, to wrap my head around, that I, I am distanced from God because God destroyed the temple? We talked about this last week. I lost my opportunity to see the God's presence in the temple and to see the priests and the high priests and the Levites, to see everything that's going on. I, I lost that opportunity. God said you had an opportunity to be close. Now we're moving it away. So really what I'm trying and asking for in Tisha B'Av coming up is the same thing, that I want to become closer to God. So today I would like to spend at least this segment wrapping our head around ways we can get closer. First, we have to look at what did we do wrong that we lost that opportunity, and therefore, what do we have to do to get it back? But I did want to start with a story. We talk about on the show all the time. We have guests all the time. We talk about the journey. It's not just the destination, but it's the journey. And this week's Torah portion actually gives a perfect, um, more than lead-in, but that concept that it's not just the destination. And that is in Parish's Masse, uh, the second of the double portions, the Torah actually lists all the places the Jewish people travel through. Very quick. It's about 50 verses. We travel to this place, we travel to that place, sometimes a few details, traveled here, traveled there, a, a list of all the places. So the question is, I mean, it's very nice, it's good, but you could, for the most part, go through the whole Torah and find all those locations. Like, what is God doing over here, giving me this whole list? What, what does he want me to understand? Some of those places I was good. Some of those places I tested God. Some of those cases, places I did things wrong. Like, so what's, what's the deal? So the story is told. With Itzik from Krakow. Itzik from Krakow, a very poor man, lived in one of those ramshackle, I don't know, I guess it was more than a hut, but not much more. Poor man. Things never went well. And Itzik has a dream. He has a dream. The dream says if he travels to Prague, there's a bridge outside of Prague, and if he goes under the bridge and he digs up, he will find a treasure. Okay, most of us would say, you're a poor guy, so of course you're dreaming of places you could go to go find a treasure. He has a dream one night, has a dream two nights. It's not a short trip. It's not like, you know, he's, he's getting out of bed and he's traveling, you know, 20, 25 minutes like a commute to work. Or for some of you in New York, an hour, an hour and a half a commute to work. It's going to take him a week, two weeks, three weeks. It's going to take time back and forth. Is it worth taking a two or three week trip because of probably a silly dream? Doesn't know, doesn't know, but times are tough. And he has no better prospect on the horizon. So he says, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Packs up, tells his wife. His wife probably tells him he's out of his mind. Takes the trip. Gets to the bridge. 
that he sees in his dream, there's only one itty-bitty problem. There is an army base parked right on the other side of that bridge. It's like a whole army camp, I don't know if it's an army base, but a whole army camp parked right outside of the base. Now what? Goes one day and looks, sees if he can go down. Doesn't look good. There's soldiers there. Goes another day, goes a third day. Now you have to understand. There's an army camp right outside the bridge. Obviously, they're going to have their own guards and watchmen to see if anybody's looking to blow up the bridge. So after a week, they uh, go after it. Look, and they capture him. I don't think he was really running away. And they bring him to the captain of the of the base, and they say, you're a spy. I'm not a spy. Then why are you hanging out every day by this bridge? So I tell you the truth. It's a crazy story. You're not going to believe me. Tell me the story, because if you don't tell me the story, we're going to execute you because we think you're a spy. So he said, I tell you the truth. I'm a poor man. Uh, And every night, I've been having this crazy dream that there's a buried treasure under this bridge. So I figure, I got nothing to lose. Let me come out here. Let me dig. I didn't know there was an army base, an army camp out here. I didn't know you. If I would have known you were here, I never would have traveled here. So the captain says, you are such a fool listening to dreams. You know, I also keep having a dream. I keep having this dream that there's some guy, Itzik, that lives in Krakow. And if he would just dig under his furnace, he would find a treasure. You think I'm going to Krakow? to find some Itzik and dig under his, uh, his fireplace or furnace to look for a treasure. But you obviously, no spy would make up such a silly um, story, so I'm going to let you go. But if I catch you back here, you're a dead man. Okay? Itzik hears the message, goes back to Krakow, gets a shovel out, digs under whatever his furnace, fireplace, whatever, digs. Sure enough, he finds himself a treasure. Now, he traveled to Prague. He was there. It was a month-long trip. Did he waste his time? Was the trip for nothing? Because really, really, he should be a little frustrated. If he just would have dug in his own house, he would have found the treasure. So how do we look at this kind of traveling? So there's two kinds of people out there. There are people that just want the end result. They do not care anything about the journey They do not care about the trip. They don't care. And if anything makes them go out of their way, they're not interested. That's one group of people. And there's the other group of people that understand that sometimes the journey is the lesson. I have to get to the end of the line. But the journey is part of what I need. So Itzik is obviously not unhappy in this story because he made the trip. And yeah, they arrested him because of being a spy. But at the end of the day, he ends up with a treasure. But it's, it's also the journey. And that is what the Jewish people needed. The Jewish people needed to know that there's a journey for you to become the Jewish nation, for you to get the land of Israel, for you to be ready for everybody to now spread out and every man under his palm tree or date tree and vine or whatever, right? For everybody to be able to get land, start a farm, but be part of the Jewish nation, we needed the journey. We couldn't do it without the journey. That's what we needed. So that's part of one of the lessons. The Torah tells us the whole list of places. 
because it's not just the destination. The Torah should just say, okay, here we are on the edge of Israel. We made it. No. The Torah takes 50 verses or 52 verses to go ahead and say it's not just the destination. It's what happened to you to get to the destination. If you became something during your trials, tribulations, your traveling, okay, we got a, a real person here. If you didn't learn anything from your trip, if you didn't learn anything from your journey, it doesn't really matter that you made it to the end because you didn't get nothing out of it. So, so too, by the way, is really what's happening. All these papers here, way too many papers this week. I will get yelled at by Peter. But that's okay. I didn't really look at them. They were just my story in longhand. Actually, today, strange enough, I'm really very good at typing everything out. I like to have everything on my computer, what I, what I want to talk about, the stories I want to mention. Of course, half the time I skip half the stuff or I go on to another tangent, but at least I have stuff. And then, believe it or not, even though it's on my computer, I actually punch holes in it and I have a, a, a notebook in my office. Well, today I found out this morning that my plan for today's show completely changed. I had something set up, didn't work out, no problem, but it's part of the journey. What are you going to do if, uh, and it's not like I had nothing to do today. I, I, I'm teaching in camp. Most of my morning is filled. So what are you going to do if plans change? So I had to take my 15, 20 minutes and refocus, but I didn't have my computer with me. So therefore, it's all handwritten. So, uh, but that's fine. So let, let's, let's get more involved. So if the journey, if the Jewish people's journey is that we have to be in exile for these thousands of years, there's obviously a lot for us to learn and pick up along the way. So let's try to get into it a little bit, and we're going to have to go back to the, uh, let's get into stories. So we said love, care, concern, that's what I want to talk about today. Lear, loving, caring, concern. So it is important to recognize, we talk about it all the time, right? The great people do great things, right? That's why they became great. But even in the small things is where you can see their amazing greatness, so in that, I have two stories that show that right off the cuff. Um, I was in a, a different office um, doing some summer work, and I'm by a friend's desk, and I see he brings up a picture. It's a beautiful picture. It's, it's my friend's father. It's my friend's son. So it's a grandson and a grandfather, and the grandfather's an older man already. And standing next to him is a very big rabbi from the East Coast. So all three of them are in the picture. So I asked my friend, I said, come on, why aren't you in the picture? It's a beautiful picture. You should have jumped in to be in the picture. It was my wedding. He says, you don't understand the story behind the picture. Okay, share. story behind the picture is like this. Um, this is a religious family. It was my wedding. And um, one, of the one of my friend's nephews is having some struggles with who he is, what he is, where he wants to be as far as being religious. He's struggling. He's having some challenges. So this big rabbi was there, happens to know the family well, and he knew this child was having some struggles. So he, he, they brought this rabbi over to the nephew to ask him for a blessing. Yeah, no problem. So he takes a picture with the grandfather, the big rabbi, and the child having challenges. 
Then this big rabbi says, oh, he's not the only grandchild. Let's get a picture with another grandchild. So he calls over my friend's son to have a different picture with a grandfather, a different grandson, and himself. What did he accomplish? If the only picture he takes is with the child that's having challenges, first of all, then everybody knows what, why he came over. The child having challenges understands, oh, he just called me over because he knows uh, I'm not towing the uh, straight and narrow. But once he sees, no, he's calling over other grandchildren, right? So I'm just another one of the grandchildren. I am part of the family. I'm a grandchild. He's a grandchild. The rabbi's calling all of us over. It, it makes it that we're not focusing on his challenges. That's greatness. That's greatness when you can recognize to go ahead and say, hey, let's, uh, let, let's make sure that the picture is not as clear as everybody wants it to be. Right? I'm, using, I'm using my intelligence to get, put everybody at ease. I'm using my, my, my intelligence to show care and concern. Because just to single out the guy with the challenges could make him feel bad. So that's story number one. In a similar vein, same idea. Um, there was a great rabbi back in Europe. This is in the early 1900s. I believe this story is with uh, Reb Chaim Grzowski, I believe. And there was a cold, blustery winter morning after the Sabbath prayers. And everybody's bundled up in their coats. And it was uh, the custom that the students of the school would walk this great rabbi home. They would talk to him in, in Torah, talk about the Torah portion, talk about law. And they'd walk him home, and it would be cold, but 10, 15 minutes, and then you go on your merry way. Well, this Shabbos was going to be a little different because a, a another boy came over, I don't know his age, um, and he spoke to this Chaim Eiser, and he stuttered. And he said, can the Rav, please, you understand how stuttering works, right? Can you, the boy was asking, can you please give me directions to this street? So instead of just giving him directions, he actually said, took his hand, said, come, I'll take you. And they start walking and this rabbi is talking to the boy and walking and walking. Now, they're going out of the way. They're going the opposite direction. Now, this whole crowd of students who always followed this Reb Chaim home, they, they're sticking around. They are joining him for the, uh, for the ride, so to say. And they have no idea where they're going. 15 minutes, 20 minutes. After 25 minutes, they're in an area... Um, the, of the city, none of them recognized even. And they get to a street, and Rabbi Chaim Eizer finally tells the boy, this is the street you're looking for. The house you want is probably a few houses down the street. Have a good Shabbos. And the boy runs on his merry way. Okay? Now they turn around. So it's freezing cold out, and you've just walked 25 minutes out of the way, and you're freezing, and there's no, there's no way out. You've got another 25 minutes to get back to your starting point. So this is an hour-long trip. So, of course, there's always those individuals that have no problem asking their rabbis, like, why did you take us basically 50 minutes out of the way? Wouldn't it have been so much easier if you could have gone ahead and just given the boy directions? So Rabbi Moses says to the 
questioner. He says, do you know who that boy was? No, no. Is his father someone great or special? I have no idea who he is. He says, that boy stutters. Yeah, we, we saw, we, we heard him talk to you. Now, you, you don't understand who that boy is. He stutters. Yeah, so, this was a 25-minute trip. There's a lot of confusing roads. I happen to know the way. If I would have told the boy, take this street, make a left, make a right, make a left, make another right, eventually he's going to get a little confused. He's going to have to stop and ask someone else for directions. For this boy to open his mouth and ask for directions, it's, uh, it's embarrassing because it's obviously hard for him to communicate. Every time he has to ask somebody a question, he has to build up a lot of courage to do it. How can I allow him to be embarrassed? I know how to get here, so I'm going to walk him. By walking him, and all of you following along, by walking along, we have accomplished that he did not have to get embarrassed again. Right? See, that becomes greatness. That's when you can go ahead and, and not just help, but you're helping with intelligence. And when you help with intelligence, you show care and concern. And with my little time left... Um, and I have so many things that I wanted to talk about, but of course it's always not going to happen. Um, one of the most famous stories in the Talmud leading up to the destruction of the temple is the same thing, but it's just the opposite. It's the lack of showing care and concern. And that story leads to the destruction of the temple. And what is it? It's a famous story called Kamsan by Kamsa. So there was a, an important man in Jerusalem. He was making a, uh, a party. doesn't say why he was making a party. Um, it wasn't a wild party because it says a lot of rabbis were there. And he told his servant to go invite his friend, Kamsa. And his friend instead made the mistake and invited Bar Kamsa, his enemy. Now, this is not a very intelligent um, servant because if he was, he would have known this is the friend, this is the enemy, but not so intelligent. So the host is walking around by the party, and he sees his enemy. He sees his enemy. He says, what are you doing here? So the enemy says, I was invited. Right? So he says, you're my enemy. You have to get out. Now, let's not get involved in, in um, why everybody else was quiet. Right? Clearly, in the care and concern for a fellow man, there were a lot of people by this story that didn't show any care and concern. That itself was a tragedy. This by Kamsa says, I'll pay for my meal. I don't want you here. I want you out of my house. I'll pay for half the party. I just don't want to be embarrassed in front of all these people. I want you out of my house. I don't want your money. He says, I'll pay for the whole meal. I don't want your money. I'm going to be so embarrassed. I don't care. Again, I'm not saying... He had a right, he didn't have a right, but certainly he was not showing a love or a care and concern that we talk about. The man leaves embarrassed. Now again, he's obviously not such a good guy because look what he does next. Can't believe he embarrassed me in front of all those rabbis. I'm going to teach them a lesson. He goes to the emperor. He says, uh, your emperorship, majesty, or whatever he called them, the Jews are rebelling. He's making up a story. Really? Yeah. If you bring them a sacrifice, they won't bring it. Okay, let's test it out. He was obviously an important enough man to have this conversation. 
So this um, Bakamsa takes the sheep or goat, whatever animal he took, and there's a parade of soldiers, and he slits the lip of this animal, and a slit lip, or a split lip, um, is a blemish. You cannot bring the sacrifice. But for somebody like the Romans, that did not bother them as far as a, uh, as far as a blemish. So he brings it to the temple, and, and uh, the rabbis say they, they should bring it. They say you can't bring it. There's a whole conversation, which we can get into the nitty-gritty details later. And in the end, uh, they refuse to bring it. The message goes back to the emperor. The emperor, of course, is incensed, and that leads to the army to come up to Jerusalem. Or again, if this guy could go ahead and 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 make a set up story to destroy the temple and get all the Jews in Jerusalem in trouble, he's obviously not a really good guy. But it doesn't matter. You see, it all started with a lack of love and care and concern. And we, the music is playing, and my time is up for my segment right now. So I hope you enjoyed it, short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David and Angel behind the glass. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house.